G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to be talking keys to the kingdom, parables of Jesus. So get ready to experience things hidden since the creation of the world. You know what? That's the way Jesus described parables. Our special guests today say no study of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ is complete without an understanding of the parables he taught. They say many books only touch on a few well-known ones. Well, Art Zacker and Doug Peterson have co-written a book called Keys to the Kingdom, Parables of Jesus. They've broken with tradition and they've covered all 39 of Jesus' parables in an effort to make them accessible to everyone. They say hearing the Word of God is not a static event. It's a dynamic experience. And we're either better or worse for hearing God's Word. Our response determines the outcome. Well, these two authors look to explain the parables in a way readers can readily understand and apply to their own lives. Art Zacker and Doug Peterson are joining us from the United States. Doug is in Kentucky and Art is in South Carolina. Doug, a special welcome along to you. Well, thank you very much and good morning to everybody there. And Art, welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Let me start with Doug. Doug, I mentioned there in the beginning as a uh, you know an introduction to our conversation today and really quoting from Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. In fact, the Bible says he did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet I will open the mouth, my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Doug, your thoughts on just how special parables are? Well, first of all, if they're coming directly from Jesus, it's the Word of God, and you can't get any better than that. And uh, Jesus made it a point to explain these things in such a way that we can actually understand them if we pay attention and read it. I know... uh, talking with other people about the book that we're going to be doing, uh, I'd ask them, do you read the Bible? Yes. Well, do you study the parables? Uh, now I get a blank look. So obviously the parables are something a lot of people skip over. And so we're trying to make it clear so they can't don't have to skip over it and they can actually understand it. <coughs> so Art, parables are more than just quaint yes. stories, not just quaint stories that Jesus told uh, for entertaining his audience. They really had powerful meaning. Uh, yes, they did. In fact, the parables are given so people who are truly interested in spiritual truth will understand, and those that aren't interested in spiritual truth won't understand. And so it was a way of basically dividing his audience into those who were receptive of what he had to say 
and those who weren't. Doug, let me come back to you with a bit of uh, a thought or two on how we define what we're talking about today because there'll be listeners, no doubt, some who will be saying, what's a parable? And uh, let's get a little refresher, perhaps from you, on what a parable is for listeners. Well, I'll, I'll give the readers a clue, because if they turn to page four of the book, when they buy the book, uh, it, it, we have a whole chapter that does nothing but define what a parable is. Understanding the parable, the Greek word means to place something alongside, to cast it together uh, alongside. It's a method known as just giving a parallel to a life experience uh, from, th- from the eyes of our Lord uh, to a point where you, cr- you have to make a decision. Do you agree with what he's telling you or don't you agree? And that's what Jesus calls each of us to do, is to study the Word and agree and learn. Okay, and so when we're talking about an explanation of what parables are, they were good stories that Jesus was telling. He did tell them, even for his audience, in an entertaining way, but there was a deeper spiritual appreciation that those who were hearing him say those things, some would understand and some would not. Uh, Art, your thoughts here on on just the, the different way of people interpreting a parable? Well, I have some principles I think will help people to understand parables. The first one is that symbols in the Old Testament retain this meaning in the New Testament. For example, leaven is a picture or symbol of sin. In the Old Testament, it retains that in the New Testament, and there are plenty of verses to show that. My second point is parables are directed to the Jews. The Jews are looking for their kingdom. They're looking for the Messiah. The parables are directed to the Jews. There are practical applications, however, for believers today. The third principle is very important, and that's the kingdom of heaven includes all Jews, whether saved or unsaved, whether good, bad, indifferent, religious, non-religious, faithful, unfaithful, true servants, and false servants. And so if you keep that in mind that they're talking to the Jews as a whole, and that's what they say the kingdom of heaven is like, and then they get somebody that's doing something right, someone who's doing something wrong. It's to the Jews. And the fourth thing, which is so important, is that parables teach one main truth. They may have sub-truths in there, but there's one main point that they're trying to present. And these sub-points They may teach some other truths, but they never negate the main truth that's taught in the parable. And I think if people will keep track of those four principles, it will help them immensely to understand parables in Scripture. So one main truth, and no doubt some listeners will have picked up on the thought that some parables apply to the Jews and others will apply to the Gentiles or the you know, the extra body of believers. And uh, we might be able to pick up on some of those sorts of things and there might even be a listener or two with a question about that. But there is a special power about the parable. But some will say, well, isn't it just open to anyone's interpretation? But you're saying here, Art, uh, there's one main truth. Identifying that one main truth, ought that be a priority? I would think that would be a priority. And again, 
this uh, the application is for believers today, but it's pointed to the Jews looking for that Messiah. And if you keep that in mind, it helps you to understand, because Scripture doesn't contradict itself. And uh, some people have taken the parables to teach all sorts of doctrinal errors. Uh, They twisted the Scripture to uh, uh, arrive at a predetermined outcome, a doctrinal position that they hold. And sometimes they just make up stuff because they don't know what to do with the parable. And that's really sad because it teaches Christians that uh, you can just pull anything out of the Scripture any way you want and come up with whatever you want. And certainly God wants us to be uh, true to his word. Doug, and, uh, I can show you illustration oh, yeah, of that sure. if you want. Yes, so. yes. Illustrate that for us. Okay. Uh, take the parable of 11 in Luke thirteen twenty through 21. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Again he saith, Unto whom shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. One of the popular teachings by a Christian publisher, a major Christian publisher, is that this meal that's growing by the leaven is the gospel spreading throughout the world. The only problem is leaven in the Old Testament represents sin, and the New Testament, uh, Jesus speaks of it as being hypocrisy. For instance, in Luke 12, 1, he says, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He identifies leaven as false doctrine. Uh, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They didn't understand that, but in Matthew uh, 16, 6 through 12, we have then understood they how he made them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And also pride uh, is used in 1 Corinthians 5.2 and talking about uh, this matter of pride. But the whole point is simply this. If leaven has a picture of sin in the Old Testament and apparently carries it through to the New Testament, This parable, talking about the leaven and three loaves, obviously is not talking about the gospel spreading throughout the world. It's talking about false doctrine spreading throughout the world, if that's what what the idea is. And so I want you to understand that, yes, you can understand these parables. It's very clear in Scripture if you just follow what the Bible says. And we believe Doug and I believe that this book can help people immensely understand God's Word. It opens up an area that previously people ignored, or they kind of guesstimated what was being taught. And I have another one here, the Ten Virgins. I was reading in a Bible, and they were talking about the Ten Virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish, Matthew 25, 1 through 13. And one of the things they mentioned here is simply that uh, the five wise virgins represent grace, and the five uh, uh, bad virgins or foolish virgins represent the law, and the bridegroom is is, uh, John the Baptist. And the parable of the ten virgins is in the last week of Jesus' ministry. He's talking about his second coming, be ready when I come. 
and he shows the consequences of those who appear to be ready who aren't. And so you have these ideas that I think just being pulled out of thin air by people that haven't really looked at the parables as a whole. So this whole study, from my point of view, took like 10 years to do, going through these parables, trying to sort them out. Sorting out what the parable meant to the listeners of Jesus in that day. Doug, if I come to you here, because here we are in the 21st century and we've got to come to these parables and we've got to have some help oftentimes working out these right interpretations of what that parable might have meant in its first truest sense. Does the same dynamic happen today as as it did in the first century when we when we're reading the parables of Jesus and and something uh, falls into place and we understand that the same dynamic is that happening today? Yes and no, and I'll go with the no first. That very simply, understanding if I have a time machine up and uh, take you back to 32 A.D. when the Lord was still alive. You might understand the culture, and you might understand the language and what their, their mindsets are at that time. But we're uh, two millennia beyond that now, and uh, unfortunately there are many, many books right now that are written on the parable. I've got 20 of them which I'm reviewing right now, and a lot of them are written by very well-known authors, but they write, uh, they talk about a few of the parables, but they put a college uh, thesis behind it, so you still don't understand what's going on. What Art and I have done is broken these parables down into three parts for each lesson, for each parable. First of all, we will give the scripture out of the bat, so a person could read that scripture right then and there, and uh, see it's right in front of them. Second of all, uh, we put together what we call a lesson, where we explain what all these different things mean in that parable uh, in a way that we can understand it today. But then the third part, which is even more important yet, is some questions. We, you now are being challenged, having read this thing, and now beginning to understand since it's written in our language and our culture to be able to explain what those things meant in those days. Now you're going to be confronted with questions, just like Jesus did with the people he shared his parables with. You're confronted with questions, questions that you have to make a decision on. Jesus told parables, he didn't tell them to make these. He didn't make the decision for them. He told each individual that they had to make a decision, just like we do today. We still have to make our decision about Christ also. So that's how we break down each one of the parables we've done. And so uh, it makes, uh, we've already run it off a bunch of people. We're getting some wonderful remarks and comments back on this thing. And this is one of the reasons why Art is so happy about this, too, is the fact that People are able to understand these things. We're not giving a college thesis. We're not burying them with a 12-inch thick book. We're trying to make it so they can read it, they can understand it, and then they can make a decision. A simple, basic breakdown of the biblical text and the parable, and then that, as you say, a lesson and application, even then some questions that you could use in a small group setting. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, I want to open our talkback lines. You might like to join in our conversation today. You might have your own thoughts 
You might have a question, you might have a comment, you might even have a critique for our conversation. Well, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today, our two special guests on the line from the United States, Art Zacker and Doug Peterson. Doug is an ordained Baptist deacon and Bible teacher. Art is a pastor in a Berean Baptist church. And we're talking about parables. They've written a book called Keys to the Kingdom, Parables of Jesus. If I come to you here, Art, there's some parables that might be a little more important than others. You've taken all the 39 that you've identified But I can't help but come to one called the parable of the sower. And this is the one that Jesus actually said was, if you can't understand this one, you won't understand the rest. Is the parable of the sower really one of the most important parables we can talk about? Uh, Yes, it is. And the reason is Jesus not only spoke the parable, but he interpreted what each part of the parable is. And when Jesus does this with a parable, it opens up other parables. Because the symbols that he uses in one parable will apply to other parables that follow. And so it's kind of a principle of first reference. This is where it's mentioned. This is what he defines it at. And then he carries through the rest of the parables. And it helps make the parables really uh, make sense. But so, the parable of the sower is in Matthew thirteen three through 9. And then he interprets it in Matthew thirteen eighteen through 23. So you have a question. Uh, Well, I was going to say, when we have Jesus interpreting his own parable, that might actually indicate this is an important one. Don't miss the important things in the way that he is able to deliver that message in the story and bring that level of teaching. So uh, when he interprets his own parable, does that actually set it apart from some of the others? Yes. Um, Matthew 13 is really the first parable. I know that we have one in Matthew 7 about the house on the rock, but it's more of a proto-parable. It's not developed like it is in the parable of the sower. And the one in Matthew 7, of course, deals with uh, the foundation on a rock or sand, and it's at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he has kingdom principles. This truly is the the opening, the main one, and uh, it does help us to understand. And Doug, the parable of the sower is grouped in a set of parables, and uh, you and Art have put these together, and you've had a breakdown of where these parables fit, and you've fitted the parable of the sower under parables of the kingdom of God. Uh, Important to be able to make that differentiation? Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, we worked hard on it. Uh, there's been other authors who have done groupings similar to this, but not, I don't think, to the depth that Art and I have torn this thing apart and put it back together again. Understanding Art and I have been working on this project for 12 years, and <laughs> it's been a long haul, but it's been an important haul to make sure we try and get it as right as we possibly can to what the scriptures say. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from a listener or two. Let's first of all hear from Daniel, who's in Minyup in Victoria. Hello, Daniel. Welcome along. G'day, mate. What are your thoughts, Daniel? Well, uh, two things that I'd like to bring up is I think um, 
looking at the Hebrew culture, they they was they looked into things so carefully that they missed things. You know, Jesus talks about you know they they look and look and look and they miss the main point. And then he comes up to the parables and he's saying, the kingdom. I'm going to explain it. This is this is layman's terms. I'm going to explain it since, uh, simply. The kingdom of God is like da 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 da, and people go, ah. Oh, Okay, I understand that because he's taken a spiritual truth and he's brought it down into an earthly setting. And I think that that is the use of the parables that comes through the Bible. I work, um, I've worked extensively in prisons and I have um, used parables both from the Bible and parables that I see in, in nature and the things around me and explain the gospel to them by the use of parables that are around us everywhere because everything is made by God. And I have had people go, now I understand because I have something to take a spiritual truth and bring it down into um, something that they can understand with their eyes and their ears in, in today's world. That's Daniel, like great insight there. Let's get a response from Art because there is something here that Daniel's just shown us. Uh, the way of communicating truth it doesn't always come just by some sort of a concrete black and white uh, way of expressing something uh, to someone. But the way that Jesus communicated was beautiful. Uh, those uh, heavenly spiritual ideas and understandings coming through the parable story. Art, your thoughts for Daniel? Well, first of all, Jesus did use parables to explain things. He held people's attention, and they could relate with the parables because they could see these things in everyday life. And so when we look at the parables, we realize, okay, they're describing a situation that did happen or could happen, and they can grasp that. Like a sower, they understood what a sower was, and they understood these principles of what was happening when they were sowing the seed. But I think it's important uh, that people understand this. And I've had people say, hey, I finally understand it. I just got done teaching a seminar on parables. And uh, I've had people say, hey, I finally get it. It makes sense. And what this book will do is it'll open up parables to people. They'll make sense. And uh, I think that's important, and I think we can learn things, and even in nature and things, and as this man has said. But the parables that uh, we want to focus on, of course, are the ones that Jesus spoke, because that is what changes people's life. It's God's Word. Thank you so much to da uh, Daniel for your call. Our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. Just before we take the call, just something so important, I think, to reference what you just said, Art, that there might be all sorts of modern illustrations. There might be metaphors. There might be allegories. There might be all sorts of ways to communicate truth. But there's something special about the stories that Jesus told because they're coming straight from the lips of the Son of God. Let's take another call. Let's hear from Graham, who is in Burnie in Tasmania. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Hello, good morning. Uh, you know, the word of God is hidden from those who God is not calling, but it's revealed to those who is calling. And uh, the thing is that the, the parables are explained, basically, in general, 
from my point of view. And uh, the thing is, will we acknowledge God uh, to, to the uh, bridesmaids, the, the ten, ten virgins, a church today, we in the church today, are we ready for God? Are we going to be part of those first, first five virgins? Are we going to be left in the dark? Graham, good thoughts. Let's get a thought from Doug. Doug, your thoughts for Graham? Well, first of all, uh, Graham mentioned something that was very interesting. We talked about this before. We are talking about the sower, and we explained that the seed is actually the Word of God. And where does that Word of God going to fall? Uh, Depending where you go to church or if you go to church, you may have the stony heart. You may have the heart that really doesn't care. You're going to reject anything. You may have a heart... uh, that your, the faith, your faith is distracted, only a good heart is going to actually accept, accept and apply that faith that has been given to us by God. And you're right very clearly in the fact that we must open our hearts to it. If people aren't, are rejecting this for one reason or another, uh, they've got a problem. And our, our job, God presents this word to us in many different forms. In this case, we're using parables. But the idea is very simply... He's planting a seed. How are we going to do? What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do? We end up with the responsibility of having to take it. No one else can blame. You've got to blame yourself if you're not taking the word of God, and that's the sad part about. It. And this is one of the reasons Art and I have put this book together to make it so it can be planted, and so you can read it either as an individual or in a study group, and be able to learn what God wants us to do and how to do it. Graham in Bernie, Tasmania, thanks so much for your call. Doug, let's talk about uh, some of the different categories. Uh, we mentioned there are different categories, and we put the, cate- the category of the parable of the sower into the, c- the category of the parables of the kingdom of God. You've got a bunch of car- uh, categories, though. Uh, parables on salvation, parables of prayer, parables of forgiveness. Take us a little deeper into your sorting out of the parables. Well, first of all, like in a chapter, any chapter of the book, which these categories are under here, uh, each has a different application. So, you know, if you if you lose money in your house and uh, you you search hard to find it, there's a parable of the lost coin. There's a parable of the lost son, and also known as the parable of the son. Again, a son that had been away from home uh, on his own choice and got himself in trouble, and is able to realize the reality of his life and, and returns to his father and the, to the home, which is a parallel to us and to our Lord. But that's like one category, and there's many categories. You know, how do you forgive somebody? You know, what what's the purpose of forgiveness? What are examples of forgiveness? That's in Chapter 5. And, and so how do, how do we live our lives? How should we live our lives? There's parables on that, too. Or how do we uh, minister one to another? And then the last batch of parables in chapter 8 would be parables dealing with the last week of Jesus' ministry and the rejection of the Messiah and how what goes on from that. All these parables are applicable to each one of us in our lives somewhere along the line. So it is important to be able to characterize where those parables sit because they do actually have some special applications. Hey, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Della, who is in Narrabri in New South Wales. Hi, Della. Welcome. 
Good morning. Hi. Firstly, I just want to thank these guys from the US for um, giving us all this some time. I think this is really lovely that you should do this. We initially, are deeply appreciative. The, yeah. Initially, I thought it would be in the middle of the night, but as I was waiting, I see it's done evening. So uh, thank you. It's, yes. a, it's only early evening in the US, so they haven't stayed up too late, but we certainly appreciate the fact that they are after yeah. hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Um, and also, I just want to thank you for the challenge of the Carvel of the Virgins. Like, there's lots of people out there that think they're ready, and lots of people out there that um, look like they're ready, but are they really? And I thought, I accept that challenge to um, just make sure that I'm ready for the coming of Messiah. So thank you so much for that. Uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, let me come yeah. to Art here. Uh, response here for Della, because uh, where does the parable of the virgins fit into those categories that you've got set out? Uh, and are there other parables that might speak into the same issue here? Uh, Art, your thoughts here? Well, all these uh, those parables are actually in Chapter 9, and we have the watchful servant, the shrewd and unjust servant, the rich man and Lazarus, very interesting, which uh, maybe we'll have time to go into that, the master's return and the wedding garment. But the interesting thing about the, uh, this parable about the uh, ten virgins is each was dressed in the same garments of a bridesmaid. You just say, okay, those are the bridesmaids. And they acted like each other. You know, they, uh, they talked to each other. They had the same purpose getting ready for the groom to come, representing Jesus Christ. Uh, they were professing believers, but not necessarily possessing believers. Um, giving lip service, certainly, but not being expected. And they all expected to meet the bridegroom. They all had oil, at least a little. But um, that just, to me, says, okay, there's people that got just enough religion to appear religious, and they know all the words, and they know all the phrases, and they know what to say, but they're not really saved. It's more of a cultural thing rather than a uh, spiritual reality. Wonderful and insight. So I think... Uh, to bring into that, yeah. uh, it's a part of what you've categorized as the parables of the Lord's return. And and uh, with Della on the line and saying, wow, you know, the understanding of the parable of the ten virgins, uh, another one of those parables you've got categorized in there is the sheep and the goats. So this is not just about believers and unbelievers in the way we might think of those who are connected and those who have rejected Christ. But this is even talking about those who are in the fold, some appearing to be sheep, some appearing to be goats, some appearing mm -hmm. to be ready with yes. their lamps and some appearing not to. So uh, this is a very important aspect here. Yes, well, the parable of the sheep and goats is in Matthew twenty-five thirty-one through 46. And the interesting thing is, unless you're really good you really can't tell the difference between the sheep and the goats when they're buying. <laughs> it's it's uh, not something that most people can uh, do. But the interesting thing about that is that when God comes, he's going to judge, and the saved will go to one side, the lost will go to the other in this parable. And the saved are rewarded with eternal life, and the lost, they receive their reward, which is everlasting fire. 
Wow. And so God has, God has, oh, go ahead. That's all right. I was going to ask Della if that was a helpful way of illustrating from some of the other parables around that one, the similar sort of message. Ah, yes. yes. Well, I mean, also, you know, said that already that, uh, that, you know, these are keys of the kingdom, and this is certainly one of them, the readiness. Um, you know, as I talked about right. having feet that are ready to share the good news. And so I think having been prepared is so important. And, um, yeah, come, come, Yeshua, come, Jesus, Maranatha, I say. Della. I'm inside to the party. <laughs> Della, thank well, you so much for I, I your call. Some, uh, yep. I had just uh, two observations, and one is God had a plan from the very beginning, uh, eternal life for the saved, judgment for the lost. And God looks on our service to others as service to Him. So when we serve other Christians, we do things to help other Christians. God looks on that as we are serving Him directly. Della, and that's kind of what that parable teaches. Thank you so much for your call, Della. And one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation today. Another one of the parables you've got grouped in with the parables of the Lord's return like the ten virgins or the sheep and the goats, uh, you've also got in there the rich man and Lazarus. And lots of listeners will be familiar with that. And it takes things even a step further because here you've got wonderful insight from Jesus, not just in a story sense, but he wouldn't be giving something that would be untrue in the sense of the even the illustration. Uh, Doug, have you got some thoughts right. here around the rich man and Lazarus and how we might look at that parable? I think... <laughs> It's one of the unique parables where we actually have an actual name being used here. Now, in some people's Bibles, it may say Dives and Lazarus. Uh, Dives is just the Greek word for rich man. Uh, but very simply, this poor man who's stuck out at this, uh, as a beggar out at the pro- outside the property of Lazarus, who is a very wealthy uh, man. I mean, Lazarus is out at the gate. The real wealthy man is celebrating life on the inside. But he's celebrating a very vicarious life, not a life focused on the Lord or anything else, although the Word has been around plenty of times for him to hear it. But then they both die. He's uh, seen uh, held by Abraham's breath, which means dirty forever. But Lazarus, uh, the rich man now, is uh, uh, dealing with the punishment that comes to people who ignore God and his Word. And many people try and make fiction, but if Jesus is making this, I have no doubt in my mind, Jesus uh, says this man, this, this man was a rich man, and he's right now in hell. Uh, who am I to doubt that? It, uh, it, it's been a discussion point for many scholars, but I have no doubt what, your, what God says, I believe, period. That we don't need to go any further than that. It's a very graphic and sad story about a person who loves, no matter what his financial position is, versus a man who is wealthy and ignores God and has to pay a price. Art, are people surprised when they hear that Jesus is so uh, straightforward? You know, when we understand the meaning of these sorts of parables, uh, Jesus is not leaving anyone in any doubt as to what he's actually teaching about no. what is in the present and what is there in the life to come. Right. One of the questions we ask on this lesson is, is this a parable or not? 
because this parable is unique, and I just like to show some unique elements which raises some controversy whether this is a parable or not. Now, it's included because uh, it is normal to include this in the study of parables. But here's some of the things that are unique about this parable. It has personal names. No other parable has that. Abraham is mentioned six times in this parable. Lazarus is mentioned four times. Moses, two times. And these are people that lived and uh, people that were aware of, especially Abraham and Moses. So these are literal people. Why would you use literal people to represent something symbolic? It doesn't make sense. And parables are always established on reality. In other words, we have the parable of the sower. Well, we see a sower. We see the parable of the pearl. We see a pearl. What's a parable about two guys, they both die, one of them is burning in a place called hell, and the other one's in a place called paradise? What is the, the, the reality that the hearers would understand? And certainly the only reality is heaven and hell. And we have also uh, his experience. This man could see, he could see flame, he could see people. He could see that there was comfort on one side, and he was not, and there was some sort of fixed gulf between them. He could remember his former life. He could remember Abraham, though we don't know whether he ever met him. He could remember Lazarus, and he could remember his brothers, and he speaks about them. Uh, he could speak. He said, have mercy, though there's no mercy in hell. I am tormented. The flames in hell are real. And I pray thee. The interesting thing is prayers are not answered in hell. He says, warn my brothers and my father's house. He says, send them to my house. He says, testify to them. And then he says why he's there. He says, they will repent in verse 30. The reason why he's where he's at is not because he's rich, but because he didn't repent. And he didn't come say how great he was. He never complained about hell being unfair. He could hear and carry on a conversation with Abraham, and he could feel. He was tormented in flame. He wanted his tongue cooled with water. And uh, his request was mercy. Send Lazarus with water, send Lazarus to my brother, and nothing uh, was given him. And Abraham said, listen, this is a great gulf fixed. Lazarus cannot come to you or the brethren. And uh, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen. The one rose from the dead. Everyone thinks that somehow if we had a miracle, they found the ark somewhere that people over the world will repent. They're not going to repent. Repentance is a decision that people make, and no miracle and no kind of thing that they see will convince them unless God works on their heart and they repent. Wonderful insights. Uh, let me come to Doug here and uh, talk about popular parables and less popular ones. Uh, you've identified that there are a lot of people who like to give attention to the popular parables, but less attention to less popular ones. Doug, have you got a, 
uh, a way of uh, identifying which ones you think are the less popular ones and the fact that they have a very powerful, strong message that ought not to be in some ways swept away and uh, not talked about. Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to give you a more popular or less popular one. That is really in the eyes of the beholder, the people who are reading these things. Uh, different people are different. Some of the parables were uh, attached to the other parables. As far as I'm concerned, it's all God's Word, and so I don't pick favorites. It, uh, very simply, God says it. I believe it. That's why I helped work on this book. It, uh, and I think it's about time. It's just like getting a person who's never read the Bible before. You start them off in a simple Bible and let them work their way up, and as the hunger of the Word of God gets into your system, you want more. The same thing with these parables. I want to ask the two of you how you use uh, the thoughts that you've expressed in these parables and use your book and how you use the Bible because you use uh, this book and the Bible in different ways. Uh, let me come to you, Art. Uh, you like to ask people if they read the Bible, uh, what sort of responses do you get? Well, most people who are religious say that they read the Bible, but many people don't understand parables. The problem is they don't know what to do with them, and the notes that they have in the Bibles uh, are many times inadequate to express what's going on. Or they are, as I said, they, they make stuff up because they don't know. Um, they misinterpret what's there because they haven't studied parables as a whole. And so what we do, or what I suggest to people is, uh, I talk to them, I say, you know, are you interested in parables? And they say yes. And I say, do you read them? And of course, like Doug said, uh, no, we don't understand them. And so I put a book into their hands. I said, look at this. And they would look at it and they go, hey, this is, looks like it's easy to read. It's easy to understand. And this book, I believe, can help people immensely. It's easy to read. It's easy to understand and explains parables in a way that makes sense and gives a practical application today. So this is what, how you apply it today in this day and age. And I think that's so important. Okay, Doug, you use the book in another different sort of a way. Give us your insights into the use of a book about parables. <laughs> it depends on the people I'm talking to, but usually I'm encountering people and they know I've written a book and uh, they say, what, what, what about this book? I'm not sure about it. So I will take a book, and I'll just open it in front of them, and, and I'll ask the question just like Art did. I say, do you read your Bible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you read the parables or study the parables? I get a blank look, just like a deer in the headlights. And so I say, what's the problem? I just don't understand it. Uh, you know, particularly a lot of the books are written by big-name authors who uh, will give you a thesis, a college thesis on, on the parable, rather than just trying to... Talk, let it talk to them. And so I show them the book, I show them what it does and everything else like that, and, and like Artie said, you see, wow, this, this is something I can read. I've had a, a delivery man come up to my front door to deliver a package, and before he left, he had pr uh, purchased the book from me. 
Wow. Was that exciting? <laughs> okay. I think you're going to have a little bit of interest here from some listeners in Australia. And uh, for listeners in Australia, getting a hold of the book is going to be easiest. Uh, Simply Googling the title of the book, Keys to the Kingdom, Parables of Jesus. And our two authors that we're talking to today, Art Zacher, Z-A-C-H-E-R, and Doug Peterson. And uh, Googling that book and finding that uh, where it's available online, is it available as an e-book as well as a, uh, like a, a, a paperback book? It's available yes. hardback and, and e-book. Okay. And if you guys want to fly us down, we'll come down and sign the books for them. <laughs> well, maybe our listeners yeah. will get in touch with you personally and they'll ask you for a personally signed book. Uh, is there a website that you have set up especially for the book? I don't have a note on that, but uh, is there a special website where listeners can connect with you? I haven't set up a website yet for that, but Doug may have something. I don't either, but I do have an email address, and you've already got that, so that's no problem there. Right. Well, uh, yeah. listeners can uh, be in touch with me, and I'll pass on an email if they want to have some personal contact there. But uh, let me just give that how listeners can get a hold of the book uh, from all the big online booksellers. And these days, easier than ever to buy a book. Uh, you'll find Amazon or Booktopia or Dimmix or any number of other booksellers. Uh, look for the best deal, is what I say. And you'll find those just simply Google the Keys to the Kingdom, Parables of Jesus, and uh, the two authors, Art Zacker and <coughs> Doug Peterson. Uh, we have come to the end of our conversation, but uh, to you, Art, uh, thank you so much for joining us today on 2020. It's been a privilege. And Doug, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. And we appreciate that very much. And uh, uh, we appreciate your audience calling in too. And we wish them all the best and the blessings that will come when reading about the parables of our Lord. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.